the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. But let me just ask, are you like Samuel? Do you speak the truth of the Word of God in love? Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilbert. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, log on to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now here's Pastor Steve with today's Core Truth. I entitled this message, A Listening heart. See, we like the the big show. You know, we want the big voice from heaven. You know, we want the, you know, yes, I am God, and I'm calling you. And, you know, we want something big, majestic, and all of this, and you'll find that many times God speaks in that, again, still small voice. It's really quiet, and you have to be listening for it. But when you listen for it, that's when you hear it. First Samuel chapter 3. Here we find Samuel sleeping next to the Ark of the Covenant. You know, and of course the Ark of the Covenant represented what? The presence of God. Inside of the Ark of the Covenant was what? It was like a jar of manna. It was the rod of Aaron and Moses' rod. You know, and there was a copy of the Ten Commandments in it. You know, those three things, you know, the, the copy of the Ten Commandments represented the law of God. You know, the, the rod of Aaron, you know, the rod of Moses that they, you know, touched the Red Sea or the Nile River with and it turned to blood in the Red Sea and it split in half. It's like uh, that represented the power of God. And of course, the jar of manna represented the provision of God. But again, whenever the Ark of the Covenant would come in, it was the presence of God. So Samuel was getting ready to go to sleep like every other day. And that's when it happened. He wasn't expecting it. And after faithfully serving the Lord daily for some, who knows, 12 to 14 years, Samuel hears this voice. So, of course, he thought it was Eli calling him because he just hears this. You know, you can imagine his dead sight and all of a sudden, you know, Samuel. So he runs into Eli, you know, and what a great sign of obedience, is that not? You know, here's the Eli Supreme, I'm here to serve you, so how can I serve you? And it wasn't Eli that was calling for Samuel. Yet there was no one else around. Then it happened again. Samuel runs into Eli. Yet he responded the same way. I didn't call you. Notice how the Lord called. In the quietness of the nights. Let's read what happens next, verse 7. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor had the word of the Lord yet been revealed to him. So the Lord called Samuel again for the third time. And he arose, and he went into Eli again. Here I am. You called me. Then Eli discerned that the Lord was calling the boy. And Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, 
and it shall be if he calls you, then you shall say, speak, Lord, for thy servant is listening. So Samuel went and he lay down in his place. And it says in verse 10, then the Lord came and stood. Wait, the Lord came and stood? Wow. Next to the Ark of the Covenant? Hey, how'd you like to have a snapshot of that? Yeah, where's your iPhone when you need it? You know, it's like the Lord came and stood and called as other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak for thy servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel. So you, you get this, you know, it's dark. The Lord is standing there next to him. And I can see Samuel just laying on the, laying, laying down. He doesn't move. Lord, speak. Your servant's listening. So he doesn't even get up or anything. And behold, the Lord said, I am about to do a thing in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. In that day, I will carry out against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I told him that I am about to judge his house forever for the iniquity, the sin, which he knew about because his sons brought a curse on themselves and he did not rebuke them. And therefore, I have sworn to the house of Eli that the sin of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or by offering forever. Wow. So like, I spoke to Eli about his wretched two sons who are filled with sin in my house. And I told him to put a stop to those boys and he didn't listen to me. And I would imagine the Lord probably spoke to him many times about that. So that'll wake you up. You get a message like that. And that's exactly what happened to Samuel, man. He woke up to the voice of the Lord. And for us Christians, there is no better way of responding to the Lord than the way young Samuel responded in verse 10. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Are we listening? Yes, when we open the pages of our Bible, when we come to the house of the Lord here, whether it's on a midweek study or, you know, college and career study or, you know, Sunday morning study, when you come where the word is being taught, are you coming in with the attitude of, Lord, speak to me, for your servant is listening. See, we need to be sensitive to the still small voice of the Lord. Because most of the time when God speaks, again, number one, he will speak to the very core of our being. And number two, he will speak when it's quiet and our hearts are quiet and we're listening with no distractions. I've taken a lot of heat from people because we don't like small children to be in the sanctuary. You're like, what's wrong with you people? We're coming to church as a family. What's wrong with you? It's like, well, listen. We love your children. Do you know how much money we invest in our children's ministry? We invest a lot of money in the children's ministry because we want your children to grow in a relationship with God. I went into the one classroom when I was coming down the hallway. Sandra walks and goes, look at this classroom. It was packed with kids, you know. It's like, you know, where's Alex? Okay, right there, Alex and Erica. Your kids were in there. It's like, it was packed. And I'm like, I love it. Look at this. This is a blessing. 
And when we, when we don't want the little kids in here, why? Because we want to minister to them on their level. They come in and listen to me, the old guy. They're like, man, this church is boring. I'm boring to a three-year-old. Unless, of course, it's one of my grandkids and we're on the ground and I'm tossing and turning me, you know, and all this. And I do the little Gucci, Gucci, goo. Okay, that's different. But uh, coming in to listen on a, on a message, it's boring to a little child. But when they're in there and they're doing artwork and they're coloring and they're learning Jesus on their level, then it's fun. They like coming to church. It's a whole different thing. So it's not that we hate any children, but two things happen when we let little children come in the sanctuary. This is what happens. Number one, they hate it. They don't want to be there, and they're fidgety. They're moving around. They're talking. They're moving, and they're distracting everyone else around them. So it's like, why don't we just go to the children's ministry, let them be ministered, let them have fun, which comes with goldfish, okay? That's, you know, and little chips and goodies, and they get all kinds of stuff. And, okay, that's great. They're ministered to on their level, and there's no distractions in here, see? See, that's why we want to have no distractions. Look, when the Word of God is being taught, I don't want people running off with tongues. I don't want someone to stand up. Okay, no, because this is the time of teaching. That's a distraction, okay? And so we want to limit distractions so that you can hear from the Spirit of God. Yes, whether it's something we want to hear or not, we should always have ears to hear. Because again, like I've said many times, the Word of God is not always what you want to hear, but it's always what you need to hear. Maybe that's why God gave us two ears and only one mouth. But know this, the word listening in the Hebrew means to attentively and diligently listen with obedience. It's a listening that's followed by obeying what is heard. It's how you approach Bible reading. You have to read to do. Don't be just a hearer of the word, James 1 says, but be a doer of the word also. But how do you approach Bible reading? Or when you come to church, is that how you listen? You know, do you try to listen to the moving of the Holy Spirit? Are you ready to be used of God anywhere and any time? Yes, Samuel had ears to hear, while some just have ears. That's it. Samuel listened when God spoke, while many today have become like the people in Ezekiel's day. And again, we're told in Ezekiel 12, 2, it says, Son of man, you live in the midst of a rebellious house who have eyes to see, but do not see. They have ears to hear, but they do not hear, for they are a rebellious house. Could that not be said about us here today? Children, my children, my sons and daughters, God could say to you, you live in the midst of a rebellious people who have eyes to see, but they do not see. They have ears to hear, but they do not hear the things of God. See, that's why we need to speak the voice of reason and biblical truth to people because they're not going to hear from anybody else. They're not hearing it from anybody else. Yes, all the way through the Bible, God is calling out to those of us who will listen and for those of us who will do what we're told. Yes, many have disregard for the truth. That's found in the Word of God. We see that in our culture big time. 
as they embrace whatever tickles their own desires. Listen to what God said it would be like in the last days. 2 Timothy 4.3 says, For the time will come when they will not, the people will not endure sound doctrine. But wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires, and they will turn away their ears from the truth and turn aside to false truths. Miss, as it says. Yes, there's sin in the church today because people don't listen to the word of God taught. There's sin in the church today because many pulpits don't even preach the truth. That's how we have birth. We have given birth here in the last 10 years to progressive Christianity, where progressive Christianity says, well, you got to change with the times. I mean, it's like, you know, the, the, the people today, we're not like the people 2,000 years ago. I mean, so we have to be culturally uh, sensitive to the culture that we have today. So, you know, lifestyles, we need to accept them because Jesus is love and he would just love all of us. See, it's like, no, you're changing the word of God. God's word never changes. So progressive Christianity is not... Christianity that's progressive to our time. Progressive Christianity is not Christianity because you cannot change God's word. He doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So it's like you can't change with the times. God never changes. And he knows what's best for you and for me. Amen to that. But here we have young Samuel, the teenager. And he listened. And when we as Christians listen for God to speak, we will also hear him. For God is looking for such a people that have ears to hear. And if you, it doesn't matter where you're at in life. It doesn't matter if you've never been used by God before. God wants to use you. He's only, he's not looking for all of this ability. He's looking for availability. He's looking for someone that will just simply say, all right, I'm going in. That's it. But the question is, will you be that person that only hears and doesn't do? And as you know, it's not enough to just hear. We have to do. We have to obey. We must speak when he tells us to speak. We have to be faithful to do the things that he wants us to do. We have to be faithful to the people that are around us to speak the truth to them because we're all living in this dark world here. Again, Ezekiel 2, 7 says, but you shall speak my words. Who's you? You is me and you, the true believer. He says, but you shall speak my words to them. Who's them? It's the people that don't know him, that don't know God. But you shall speak my words to them whether they listen or not. Listen, whether they listen or not, it's not, it's, not, it's not a prerequisite. You can't judge how you're doing as a Christian by whether someone's listening or not. You're to speak the truth. That's what your calling is. That's what my calling is. And there's so many times I get shut down and people don't want to listen and whatever. It's like, but I speak the truth because they need to hear it. They need to hear the truth even if they don't respond to it. Because why? They're rebellious. Are we not living in a rebellious generation right now? I mean, it's like, so don't think that it's always going to be like rolling out a red carpet. Yeah, some God's man of the hour. I'm the woman of the hour. And it's like, I'm here to tell you the truth. And people are like, oh, yeah, well, go hang it in your ear. You know, it's like, they don't, some people don't care. But God still wants them to know that he loves them. 
Heaven is going to be full of forgiven sinners is what heaven's going to be full of, okay? And that's what we're told here. But again, just like, you know, we looked at Samuel, he had a listening heart, and it was attentive to the God's voice, but again, he also obeyed God's voice and what he said to do. So remember, God had told Samuel in verse 12 and 13 that he was going to judge Eli the priest. He's going to judge his household. And that was already spoken to Eli back in chapter 2, verse 34. When a servant of God told Eli, both of your boys are going to die on the same day. The same day. And now God confirmed this to Samuel, that he was going to judge Eli's house. Why again? Because at the end of verse 13, Eli did not rebuke his sons. He went to his sons and said, hey, I heard the things that you're doing, and it's not good. You shouldn't do them. How about Eli going up to his two sons that were priests? Hey, boys, I got something to say to you. You're fired. Pack your bags. Get out of the temple of God. Get out of his house for what you've done. You need to fall on your face and repent that God doesn't just strike you dead before you even get your bags packed. But he didn't do that. But why again was God so apt on killing both of Eli's sons who were priests? Because they allowed perversion into the house of God. They were having sex with the women that came to help serve in the ministry. And they were doing it in the house of God. It's like, oh my goodness. They were, you know, they were degrading the sacrifice. They were taking meat that was to be sacrificed to the Lord. And they were taking it themselves. And they were, you know, eating the the filet mignons of the sacrifices, you could say, you know, out of order and how God had it for, because the priests were able to eat the sacrifice, but it was after the sacrifice, but they would take the meat before it was sacrificed. Oh, it was just, they were doing everything wrong. No regard to God whatsoever. First Samuel 3.15 says this. It says, then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, here I am. And he said, what is the word that he spoke to you, that God spoke to you? Please do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all the words that he spoke to you. So, I mean, obviously, Eli knows that God's speaking to Samuel, okay? So now he wants to know why. Well, God already told him in the chapter before, I'm going to roast you and your kids because of what you've allowed. So I know Eli's thinking that God's telling them he's going to roast my boys. It's like, because he's already, he's already been told that. So verse 18 says, so Samuel told him everything and he hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what he seems good for him. And thus Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fail. Wow. Now you got to remember. So Samuel comes to serve Eli when he's like three, four years old. He's probably, you know, 16 now or something all these years. So Eli was pretty much like a dad to him. And now he's got to tell Eli, the priest, well, Eli, you want to know everything? Yeah, God's going to roast you, okay? God's going to kill your boys. I mean, it's like, oh my goodness. I mean, that's a, that's a tough thing to have to say. But again, we as believers are called to speak the truth in love, okay? 
in love. So it's like, you know, God's going to bring a judgment and God's going to, you know, do things, you know, that are, you might not want to hear or what have you, but that's what we're called to do. But could you imagine, you know, here's Samuel, this teenager, you know, and now he's having to speak all this truth here. And he obeyed and he spoke that message of woe to Eli. Yes, Samuel spoke the truth and he spoke it in its entirety. Know this, you and I, again, we are called to do the same. We live in a world that waters everything down, a world that's so politically correct, yet God has called sin, sin through the scripture. And we need to call sin, sin, and proclaim that there's only one way to heaven. There's only In the Garden of Eden, Eden was paradise, and they would, in paradise, they were going to live forever, they had no sin nature, and God would come down in the cool of the day, and he would hang out with them. But when they ate of the forbidden fruit and talked about sin for a few minutes and how we're all sinners, we have a sin nature inside. If you have kids, you know that. You don't have to teach kids to be bad. You have to teach kids to be good. And so we all have a sin nature. And I said, that sin separates us from God. So I went into all that with him. And then I said, but here's the book of redemption from the third chapter on. It's a book of redemption. And it was preparing you that God was going to come down and live as a man and become the ultimate sacrifice. He allowed animal sacrifice in the Old Testament, but God's plan, the ultimate plan was that he himself was going to come down and bear the sin of all humanity upon his own body so that we could be forgiven. This is the critical thing. This is what separates Christianity from every religion out there. You must come through Christ because he's the one that died for your sin. It doesn't matter how many good works you do. Look, once I became a Christian, God wants me to do good works. Once you became a Christian, God wants us to live a holy life, even as he's holy. But we're not saved by living a holy life. We're not saved by doing good works. We're saved because Jesus died for us. And if you reject that sin offering of God himself on the cross, you cannot go to heaven. But let me just ask, are you like Samuel? Do you speak the truth of the word of God in love? Or have you decided to not listen to the voice of the Lord and therefore you don't speak his words of truth to anyone that's in this sick and dying world around us? Again, understand every single person we know and love, they're gonna stand before God one day in judgment. Are your friends, are the people that you know at work, are your neighbors, are they prepared for that? Have we told them that they need to know God, that, we, that they need to know that he loves them, that he cares about them. Are they forgiven of their sin? Or have we done what Eli did with his sons? He didn't want to deal with their sin. He didn't want the confrontation, so he said nothing. So what happened to his sons? God killed them. What was better for Eli? I don't want to, you know come down too hard on my boys and I don't want to kick them out of the church and I don't, I don't want to confront them. Maybe they won't talk to me as their dad. They'll get mad at me. So what's better? Do what Eli did and then ultimately God killed his sons. Wow. Or speak the truth. Tough love. Yeah, speaking the truth is not always easy, but better to know the truth now while we still have time to repent than to wait till judgment day when we're standing before God. 
as our judge instead of our savior to be turned away from heaven and cursed. Wow. Every person will have to stand before God before it's over with. It's appointed for every man and every woman to die once, and after this comes judgment. But, you know, the, that, that's the bad news. The good news is, man, God loves you. <laughs> you can be forgiven. You can go to heaven. See, that's, you know, we're called to share the bad news, but you have to share the bad news for the good news to be so good, right? I mean, if you just think, oh, you know, come to God, and he loves you, it's like, yeah, well, I don't know, whatever. Okay, do you understand that if you don't come to him, you're going to be eternally separated from him? See, the bad news sets the stage for how good the good news is that no matter what anyone's done that you know, they can be forgiven. And I told this person today, I said, the Bible says, Jesus speaking, whoever comes to me, I will in no way cast them out. Don't care what your past is. I don't care what you've done. God can forgive you. That's a great message, isn't it? Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilbur of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app available on iOS and Android. Core Truth is sponsored by and is a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you've been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA to 77977. You can also give via our app or online at corechurchla.org. Or you can mail your support to P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.